Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. If you want to open your Bible to Luke 5, that's where we're going to go. Kids, we bless you. It's, it's awesome seeing you worship. It's awesome seeing you lift your hands and seeing you pray for one another. We bless you, kids. We bless you with the Holy Spirit. Come on. We bless them with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Jesus. I don't have a sermon, really. But I just have a word that the Lord dropped into my spirit in a conversation I was having yesterday. So I had something else prepared. I'll use that next week, Lord willing. <clears throat> But I want to talk about this, this right here. Why is the supernatural non-negotiable? You're in a Pentecostal church. Hello? Amen? <laughs> we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for us today. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna, this is not off to a great start. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. It was not just for those people in that time, in that place. God says, this is for you, it's for your children's children. It's for as many as the Lord God calls. That means all of us. It's for us. And the gospel is supernatural. Amen? Let me just say this. Going forward, it is, it is no longer okay for us to preach a gospel or to have church service and the supernatural not take place. That's the target. The target is not um, a good feeling in the atmosphere. The target is not a good word from the open or the sermon or a good prophetic word. The target is, did God show up in power? How many believe God's omnipotent? That means he has all power. Everyone, someone say all power. So if he has all power, that means he has all power. And that means the devil has no power. You're like, whoa, that really wrecks my theology. Hey man, Jesus did it at the cross. He said, all authority, all power has been given unto me. So he stripped the prince and power of the air. We like to think the devil is running around empowered, but he's not. He just lies. And when we believe him, we empower him. So he has no power unless we come into agreement with him. So if he has no power, Jesus has all power. And if Jesus said, all authority I give to you, then who has power? We have power. And that means that when we display um, the power of God, when we, let me say it like this. When the gospel of Jesus is preached, or when the presence of Jesus manifests itself, there should be power. There should be things happen. It's non-negotiable. It's as important as us believing Jesus died on the cross. So if, if we took a poll, a survey today, and we're like, what are the things that we have to agree on to run together? We would be like, well, Jesus is the son of God. We got to all agree on that, right? We've got to believe that Jesus came and didn't sin. That's non-negotiable. Like Jesus did not sin. He was perfect. We have to believe that when Jesus said it is finished and he died on the cross, that he paid the penalty for all sin. We have to believe that. We have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, which completed the fulfillment, come on, of the promise of God. And we have to believe that because Jesus rose from the dead that we are alive now. 
Those are non-negotiable things. We have to believe things like God is good. Like if you have a theology that, that makes, makes God is good watered down, then you have a bad theology. God is too good for us to even exaggerate how good he is. We have to believe that. What's some other non-negotiable things? There are mysteries. We don't know everything. Like Paul even says, for we prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but one day we will know all things. Like we will understand it all. So that's something that's non-negotiable. The supernatural, miracles, signs and wonders, demons being cast out, people being raised from the dead, that's equally as non-negotiable. As much as I have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, I have to believe that he works miracles today. Have to. If I have chosen to live a Christian life that makes it not, not necessary for him to show up in power, then I have a bad gospel. If I have a belief system that says that I can proclaim these words, like, man, when you pick up your Bible and you read, you're reading life. When you're saying these words, you're saying words that have life on them. And it is impossible to say what he's saying and something not happen in the atmosphere. That's supernatural. Amen? I just want to stir you up today. I want you to start expecting supernatural things to happen in your life. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Why? Because he says these signs. Come on, you know it. These signs will follow those who believe. Like it is expected that if you show up, he shows up. And if he shows up, anything's possible. That's non-negotiable for us. So for us to not see the supernatural, it means that we need to stir our faith and we need to make it something we expect to happen. Like, I don't know how your Sunday mornings go or when we gather together, like what your like thought pattern typically is just trying to get everyone out of the house in one piece, right? <laughs> I got three kids. Like, you're, you're just trying to make sure everyone's got their, their clothes on right and, and they brush their teeth and there's not toothpaste on their new shirt and all this. I get it. I get it. But at some point between then and when you walk into the doors here, you should set aside time and say, Lord, I expect you to show up today in power. I expect to see your goodness manifested today in power. Because if, if that doesn't happen, let's, read, let's go ahead. Let's read this because I don't want to just jump this, this scripture. So I'm, I'm having a, first of all, um, I'm having a conversation with a guy, a, a friend of mine. He, his son plays soccer with my son. He's from Costa Rica. His name is Rafael. And uh, he's a great man of God. And so I always love when at soccer games, I get to talk with him because we talk about the Holy Spirit during the game. Like we're over there, goosebumps, Holy Spirit showing up on the sidelines when we're talking. Every single, every time we talk, the Lord shows up. And so I'm, I'm always hoping that I don't get caught by other parents that want to complain about the game or their own son or whatever going on. I'm like, I want to talk to Raphael because we come into agreement and the Lord shows up. And so we're having a conversation yesterday and it was a great conversation. And in it, a scripture came to mind and I was like, man, I, I told, I said the scripture out. And when I said it, we both just lit up with goosebumps and the Holy Spirit came. 
And I was like, I haven't thought about that verse in a long time. And the Lord, the Lord just highlighted it to me and says, Jared, this has got to become something that we talk more about. This has to be like a central focus for Fire Life Church. And it's this scripture in Luke chapter five. You're going to know the story, but I want you to understand the reason that Jesus tells this historical account. So it's Luke chapter five, verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that the Pharisees and the teacher of the law were sitting by. They're always just sitting around waiting, right? They were sitting by and they had, um, and they, there are people that came from every town, from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power, everyone say the power. The power, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Come on. When they gathered and Jesus taught, the power of the Lord was present and he healed people. Do you see the connection of Jesus teaching and power coming and people being healed? Then behold, men brought on a bed him who was paralyzed. Come on. I'm just, I want to tell, I want you to remember this, but how many of you learned this story in, in kids' church or you've told your kids this story? Like you see the picture of, uh, or you watch The Chosen and you got to see their, their, oh man, what a cool way they showed that. How these men, they came to the house and they couldn't get into the house because so many people were there. It was too crowded, but their friend was desperate. And these people knew that if they could just get around Jesus, that he would be healed. So they go up to the roof like they did damage, man. <laughs> they tortured, they destroyed this dude's roof. Like it, it would, they dug through and destroyed this man's roof to get this guy into the house. This was how desperate they were. Their faith was so strong, they destroyed someone's personal property because their friend needed to be healed. And they lowered him down through the roof into the midst of Jesus. How cool. Like, first of all, I want friends that have faith like that for me. You should run with people that have that kind of faith for you. Like, no, 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 no. It's okay. I can just deal with this. No, you're not. We are going to dig through someone's roof to get you into Jesus' presence. Like, that's what we're going to do because we're your friend. And we believe Jesus has good things for you. We're going to be those people for you. Find people like that. If, you're not, if you don't have people like that, become that kind of a friend and you'll attract friends like that. Cool friends, bless them, Lord, come on. So he let him down. And when Jesus, listen to this, not even the paralyzed man's faith, when Jesus saw their faith, <laughs> all Jesus needs is someone in the room to have faith. And anyone's room in the room will violate the torture the enemy has put on their life. I want you to think of it like that. It is a violent act when you have faith. And Jesus is attracted to faith and it causes him to do things in power. So when he saw their faith, he said to the man, okay, hold on. The guy clearly needs a specific miracle. But when Jesus saw their faith, he said these very strange words to the man. Your sins are forgiven. Have you noticed that when Jesus highlights something, it's because it's the thing that needs to be highlighted? Yeah. All through scripture, 
People would come to Jesus with a problem, a question, a test, whatever. And how many times would Jesus answer a completely different question than they asked? Or he would flip it because he went to the heart of the matter. The central thing that mattered the most is what Jesus would focus on. And in this situation, the fact that the man was paralyzed wasn't the most important thing about this man. It was that he had sin. And the faith, I love this, the faith of his friends caused Jesus to say to the man, your sins are forgiven. Come on, hello, hello. Everyone, would you say that, that it's awesome that Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven? How many have sinned a lot in life? Come on. And all of them have been forgiven. That Jesus does this in the moment. And guess what happens? The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying they were offended in their heart. And they begin to say, who is this man who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins except for God alone? They're so offended. And what happens? Because Jesus, so Jesus perceives faith. Jesus also perceives offense. Jesus, let my faith be more, <laughs> more than my offenses. Please, Lord. He perceived their thoughts and he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning, arguing in your hearts? You know what was going on right there? They saw something and their heart le leaped for it. Like, oh, their, their hope arose. And then their bias kicked in and their bias and their offense argued with their hope. I want to pause there. Has anyone ever had that happen to you? Like you felt like, Oh, there's hope. And then your reasoning began to argue with the hope that you started to feel. You've got to shut your reasoning down in these moments. I'm not saying reasoning doesn't have its place. Absolutely does. But faith always trumps reason. Always trumps reason. And he said to them, why are you reasoning in your heart? He's saying to them, right now in front of you is the hope that you've lived your lives for. These guys studied the word of God. Hello? Yeah. They gave their lives to God's law. They loved God's law. And they hoped for a savior to come. They knew what their word said. It pointed to a savior coming. And everything they wanted was right there in front of them. And Jesus is saying, why are you arguing with the hope you're feeling right now? And then he says this, and this was the verse that, that I, I, I said to the man yesterday. And when I said it, I was like, oh, Jesus. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk. And then here's the boom, he drops the mic moment. He says, but that you may know that the son of man has, everyone say power. power. The son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He looked to the paralyzed man and he said, take up your bed, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately, come on. He rose up before them and he took what he had been lying on and he departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. Oh, I love it. We have seen strange things. We don't know what's going on. What, what's the point here? 
the supernatural stirs up faith inside people that confirms that our sins are forgiven. It sounds so simple that you're like, okay, yeah, so what? The supernatural present, the power of God present to heal a person confirms with our spirit that he did forgive us of our sins. So people need to hear the gospel preached because their sins need to be forgiven. That's why we preach the gospel. He told us, every one of us, did you know you're a preacher? Every one of us are preachers of the gospel. He even says that we are an epistle being read by all men. We are a book being read. We are ministers of the gospel. And the reason that we're to preach the gospel is so that people can be saved. That's the goal. But when Jesus shows up, he not only forgives sins, which we cannot physically see happen. There's no physical transaction there. He also does the supernatural thing that blows our minds to say, which is easier to say sins are forgiven or whatever your issue is, be well in Jesus name. But to prove to you that I have power to forgive sins, I'm going to do this other thing that you think is impossible. I'm going to do this other thing that stares you in the face and says, I'm impossible. I'm going to do that so that you have confidence that your sins are forgiven. Why do we need a demonstration of the gospel in power in our church? It's so that souls will be saved. The Bible does say it's through the foolishness of preaching that men come to repentance. And I, I, I love that because like, we think that if you're the preacher, you're, you're like, you've hit the top of the mountain. He's like, no, it's through the foolishness of preaching. It's funny. He degrades the, 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 the shine that we put on preaching. He's like, it's through the foolishness of preaching that men come to repentance. Man. And I want to see people saved. And I'm telling you, people will be saved when they see the gospel preached and when power shows up. And it will confirm to them, if Jesus can do that, of course he's forgiven me of my sins. If Jesus can, can cause that deaf person to heal, of course he can heal my marriage. Yes. Amen. Signs and wonders are supposed to follow us. Signs and wonders help people's faith to, to be built up. Come on. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says, the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, the kingdom of God is not in words, but it is in power. You know, the biggest thing we've done to mess up the gospel is we've made it about preaching and singing. But it's not about that. It's about power. It's power. Come on, everyone say power. Romans 15, verse 18 and 19, Paul says, I dare not to speak of any of those things in which Christ has not accomplished through me. He's saying, I'm not gonna brag on anything that Jesus didn't do. And he says, in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient or come to repentance. 
He said, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all around, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. He's saying, by, by mighty signs and wonders and power, I have preached the gospel. There is no disconnect between signs, wonders, and miracles and the preaching of the gospel. They have to show up together. First, I'm just going to go through this. this is a theological foundation for supernatural things. Why is it non-negotiable? Because 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 verse 5 says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but it came to you in power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. He's saying we didn't come to you as ministers of the gospel in word only. We came to you in power because the gospel has to transform your life. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. You're going to know this one. Romans 1, 16, 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. For it is the power of God for salvation. For everyone who believes, first to the Jew. Come on, Jesus, bless Israel right now. Amen. And also for the, the unbeliever, the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Hello, do you see that? We, we forget this part of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the demonstration of God's authority. For in that, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is righteousness? It's God taking wrong things and making them right. It requires a proclamation of the gospel and a demonstration of the gospel for righteousness to come. Y'all yeah. okay? Last one, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. You're gonna know this one as well. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring the testimony of God. I like the other version I learned growing up, enticing words of men's wisdom. Paul is saying, I could come to you like that. I'm an educated man. Paul could say that. He was very educated. He could say, I could come to you with the most beautiful argument for the case of God, but I realize that the most beautiful argument for the gospel isn't what changes people's lives. It's the power and demonstration. He goes on to say, I didn't come with this, for I determined not to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's like the source of this power is the cross of Christ and his resurrection. He says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with pervasive words, persuasive words uh, of human wisdom, but in demonstration, it was a demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith, why? So that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the, everyone say power of God. That's what this is about. The gospel is power. For people to believe that the miracles stopped with the apostles, they've just basically taken the Bible and just thrown it away. We don't believe that here. It's called cessationism. We don't believe that it stopped with them. We don't believe that the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we don't believe that the gifts of the spirit, we don't believe that the miraculous ended with the apostles when they died. We believe that it's for all of us that he has equipped the church with gifts. And, to, and one of, did you know one of the gifts is of faith and of working of miracles? The supernatural is one of the gifts of the spirit. It's not just tongues and interpretation of tongues 
and words of knowledge and discernment. It's also in gifts of mighty working miracles. Like, well, I haven't seen these things happen. Number one is because we have to preach a pure gospel. We can't water the gospel down. We can't pour our, our thoughts into it. I, I'm a church boy. You guys know this. I've been, I, I'm a sixth generation pastor. I'm a church boy. Like, you, it's, Mandy and I talk about this all the time. Like, I've been in church my whole life, like many of you, and you can just talk to me and a scripture would just come out of me and I don't even remember how I learned it, but it's just in me. I grew up like that, Right? And I can sit and, and I was with someone and, and there were arguments being made between theological things. And when I was younger, I used to like that stuff. Like, oh, that's really fun. Let, I was on debate in school and I really enjoyed the debate thing, right? Let's, let's debate, let's argue this thing out because if we can argue, I can make you believe this. And I've just noticed lately that I'm so tired of the arguing. Let's just let the gospel speak for itself and let the demonstration of his power show up. And if God is true, let every other man be a liar. Like, and, I, and I'm just like, I don't want to argue. I don't, like, we're, we're talking about, we're creating a, a discipleship. Um, it's not a ministry. We're creating a discipleship. Um, I don't even know. It's going to be the core of what we do here, discipleship. And we've decided we don't want to talk about what other people have said about this verse. We don't want to talk about what, oh, well, this guy says this, and this guy says that, and this lady says this, and this lady says that. I'm tired of what everyone else thinks about it. I just want to read the word and I want the Holy Spirit to open it up to me. That's the way we're going to do discipleship here. Yeah, there'll be times to say, well, we heard this from someone. That's not the point. The point is the gospel is the power. It's what you find in it. It's what the Holy Spirit reveals in your time, devouring his word, studying his word. I'm so proud of the people that are in the foundations class. Like I, I can't, when we first started, we're like, this is a big class. This is going to be hard to cover everything. And so I was like, I was nervous. I was like, well, you know how it is. We start something and you wonder if people are going to stay part of it. Should we water it down and shorten it? And, and, and as we got in it, this is the testimony I heard from people in the class. Don't shorten it. Come on. I've heard from the majority of people that have gone to class, I have personally talked to and they've said, or I've heard reports from them. Don't shorten it. I'm learning so much from the Bible that I didn't know or I forgot. Like, don't, don't cut it. I love learning the word. I love, that makes me so happy because the, the gospel is power. It's gonna, now it's gonna show up in our lives because we're connecting to the truth of his word. So what's the whole point? Which is easier to say? Which is easier to say, hey, say this prayer and you'll go to heaven. Or get up and walk. Gosh, sorry. <clears throat> One is immediate proof. <laughs> That's all I know how to say. The supernatural is immediate proof that God's power is on display. It's immediate. And when, how many have ever been healed before? Would you just raise your hand? Like, can you just for a second, take 10 seconds to remember where you were when you got healed and what happened? Ooh. No one can steal that moment from you because you had an encounter you tasted and saw the things that you believed manifested themselves into the, the world you live in right now. 
It shifts the way we think. Now, it should be impossible for us to look going forward and say, well, Jesus doesn't heal. I know better. We know better. Come on. I've, I've, I literally, in, in, not in this building, but at the Family Worship Center building on, on 1715 North Britain, I saw mass fall off of a lady's neck. It just disappeared. I saw it with my own eyes as a teenager. Don't tell me. Come on, what's the song? Don't tell me he can't do it. I've, see, I've seen it. You, you can't steal it from me. And you know what our world needs? They need a demonstration of this gospel. The, the arguments that, oh, that was for old time, that doesn't happen anymore. That, that doesn't work when someone gets up out of a wheelchair and walks. I saw a video of a, about three months ago of, a, of a, a lady who had cerebral palsy in Brazil. It was a small little church. It was, the room was half the size of this room and they were crying out worshiping the Lord. And this girl is in a wheelchair and she, she was shaked violently. And then the Lord, the Holy Spirit came up on her and she got healed right there. I saw it. I watched the video. She got up and she walked around the room and the place went crazy. And it was like 40 or 50 people were just going after the Lord. I, how many have seen stuff like that? Like that changes how you live. Like when, when we see the demonstration of the power of the gospel, I don't walk by a person in the wheelchair anymore and not feel a tug on my heart. I can't walk the same way. It's like when Jacob wrestled with God, he couldn't walk the same way the next day. He got touched. And he limped the rest of his life as a sign. Don't forget that moment. Don't forget, like the, the gospel touching you, the supernatural touching your life and the people around you will mark you for life. And you won't live the same way. It will be impossible. And this is what we're going after here. You're like, well, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in a while. Let's keep pressing in until it happens. And when we do see it, we're going to celebrate it so much. We're going to tell everyone we know about it. How many remember when you got saved? How many people did you tell? <laughs> Everyone, especially the people that knew how, what a rascal you were, we were before. Like, hey, look, I know I was a rascal. I'm not that guy anymore. It took me about 20 years to realize I don't have to answer for that guy. He was killed. He was buried, and I don't have to resurrect him, and I don't have to answer for him anymore. He's dead. I'm a whole new creation. You remember that? It changes the way you live now. You're a completely different person. Now let's add to that the supernatural. It's non-negotiable. You have to stir our faith up. That's why I, I was like, we're going to pray for people to be healed today. We have to do it. We're not, we're not going to let a, a moment pass by. If you're sick, if you ever come to service here and something's not right with you physically, do not leave. Do not leave without asking someone to pray for you. Healing is his children's bread. Come on. How many have seen someone delivered from demonic oppression? You've seen it. Don't say that's for somewhere else, for another time, another place. My dad told it last week, a dead guy being raised. I remember that time. A dead person. 
He didn't fall out of the, the, the two-story building because my dad preached too long. Like, like <laughs> was that Eutychus? Yeah, I think Eutychus was his name. <laughs> he just preached too long, got sleepy, fell out the window, died, and they had to go resurrect him from the dead. Like, you know, but that, I've, we've seen that stuff happen. How many have seen marriages restored? I, I remember Rodney has a testimony about that where he just obeyed the Lord, didn't know why. I'm blessed everything your hands touch. And they were about to file for divorce and they couldn't because he blessed everything their hands touched. Whew, come on. How, how many feel your faith stirring right now? I do. I feel my faith stirred and I also feel him kicking me in the rear. At the same time, like, come on, go for it. What are you waiting on? Stop it. Let's go. You know, you know what's, what's possible. Don't accept less. Why don't you stand? Come on. Jesus, come on. Let's just ask him. Father, we ask that you would show up in power when your gospel is preached. Come on. We ask that the power of the gospel shows up everywhere that we go. Come on. That we carry the presence and the power of Jesus with us. That when we go to our workplace, that the atmosphere shifts. Come on. Woo. God, make us dangerous. <sighs> okay, I'm going to say, we're praying this. The world wants everywhere to be a safe space. And we've heard that term. It makes me want to throw up. This is a safe place. You can, this is safe. No one's going to judge you here. Like, then you're not going to feel guilty. You're not going to feel any. You're, you just be you, baby, right here. That's a safe place. I want you to become a dangerous place. You're dangerous, like uh, you're armed and dangerous. <sighs> and it's not us. That's the, <laughs> it's the presence of Jesus and the presence of his gospel being spoken. So Jesus, if he, if he isn't living inside of you, just invite him now. Jesus, come live inside of me. Jesus, I know you live in me but would you increase how much space you occupy? Why don't you pray that? Jesus, will you increase the space you occupy inside of me? Fill me. Fill me overflowing. I am not ashamed of the gospel, not just the spoken word of the gospel, but the demonstration of its power. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed. Oh, come on. Just stir it up. The Bible says he's given every one of us a measure of faith. So there's not a person ever been born that, didn't ha- that did not have faith. I know sometimes we say that, well, I just don't have faith for that. Or I, I, no, stop. He gave us what we need. We just need to exercise it. 
And faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's also the evidence of things not seen. So the substance would be the preaching, the, the discussion of the gospel, and the evidence would be it manifesting in our reality. Faith causes that to happen. So right now, I'm just going to ask God to stir our faith. Why don't you pray with me? God, I ask you to stir my faith. Increase my faith muscle, God. I believe you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that everything you said that's possible is possible. I believe that nothing is outside of the realm of your authority and your power. And I believe that because you have all authority and power, that I'm yours and I have all authority and power in your name. Come on. Woo. Yes, sir. Faith, 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 faith. We break agreement with lies. We break agreement with anything that waters faith down with any argument or any reasoning that comes against the hope that's being stirred up. We break agreement with it. Stir faith and hope in us, God. All right. The Lord's doing a really good thing in the house. The church is in a good place. I believe that. I'm thankful for what he's doing. But I feel we're shifting gears. And he's just looking for a couple of people to become radical. When, when Jesus said to them, like, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and I give it to you, and then he says, therefore, go. Go. It only took 12 disciples to turn the world upside down. 12 ignorant, unlearned fishermen and tax collectors and whatever else their occupations were. It took 12 guys that didn't really know anything to just be with Jesus to where they're like, these guys have turned the world upside down. So it just takes a couple of people in here to get what I'm saying right now. Because we have the authority Jesus has, we have to go now. You've got to take risk. I have to take risk. Someone said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. It's taking a risk. It's not foolish risk. It's doing what the Lord stirs up inside of us. So when you feel faith rise up inside of you, lean into it. Let me just give a simple example. If you're in the grocery store and you walk by someone who has a physical ailment that you can see and you feel compassion stir up inside of you, that is a sign from God saying, I want you to do something about this. And there's biblical proof for this. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion for them and then he healed them. So for me, when I start to feel compassion for someone, it could, be, it could be a rich jerk who just drove me off the road in his BMW. But when I start to feel compassion for him, I know that I'm sent to connect to heaven for him. So I'm learning the connection between compassion and faith, all right? So when you feel compassion for someone, it's your faith being stirred up. 
So do whatever the occasion requires. Come on. So we're about to just press the gas pedal really hard and watch out. And it just takes a few people to say, I'm going to go with the authority he gave me. So this is, this is the main altar call. When we're done, if you have something specific you want prayer for, someone will meet you here at the front. If you have your offering in person, we have buckets. You can pass that around. We have a worship night, the 20th. We'll send an email reminder, but the 20th, Friday night, the 20th, we have worship. But here's what I want us all to pray for, that we would be empowered with the Holy Spirit and that we would go. All right, so I'm raising my hand. I want to. I want to say yes. I'm signing up for that. I, I I give my life to this. Come on, we have found something worthy of our life. <laughs> the gospel of the kingdom is worth our lives. So we pledge to you, God, our lives. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20, come on. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Yeah, come on. Would you pray for your neighbor that the Holy Spirit will give them a gift? Come on. He always brings gifts for the assignment. You have an assignment, and he's going to give a gift for the assignment you have. Holy Spirit, we ask you to release your gifts.